Hello there and welcome into another edition of the Intersection Podcast with conversation highlights from the Meeting House on Faith Radio about a variety of topics including news, information, and lifestyles approached from a Christian worldview perspective. And on this edition of the Intersection, you'll hear highlights from Faith Radio Meeting House Media Central at the 2021 National Religious Broadcasters Convention in Dallas. I had the opportunity to talk with Jeff Shreve from First Baptist Church of Texarkana, Texas, and the speaker on the From His Heart radio program. In our conversation, he underscored the need for guidance based on God's truth. And I had a chance to sit down with the noted cultural commentator Oz Guinness, who also addressed matters related to biblical truth and a worldview that has become quite popular that runs contrary to scriptural principles, Marxism. Some of his analysis is coming up. And on this edition of The Intersection from the 2021 NRB Convention, it's Joel Rosenberg of All Israel News and All Arab News who brought insight into alliances that are forming in the Middle East that look quite different than what they historically have. And finally, it's Richard Blackaby of Blackaby Ministries International who visited with me to discuss the potential for revival personally and nationally and offered some comments on what it would take to get there. Material from that chat is coming up. This is The Intersection, a production of The Meeting House. I'm Bob Crittenden. Jeff Shreve is the senior pastor of First Baptist Church of Texarkana, Texas, and speaker on From His Heart, a radio program that is heard on Faith Radio at Faith Radio Meeting House Media Central at the 2021 NRB Convention in Dallas. He shared information about the ministry of the broadcast and his commitment to upholding biblical truth. Here now is some material from that conversation. This is Jeff Shreve now. When I started, the, uh, the foundation of the ministry was this. No matter how badly you may have messed up in life, God still loves you and he still has a plan for you. It's kind of the prodigal son type of, of focus that, hey, if you leave the pigsty, you'll find the father's arms open wide. And I still believe that and I still preach that. But things have shifted because our world has changed mm-hmm. so much since 2005 uh, to where I really think the emphasis is speaking the truth in love because we have lost the, the idea of what is right and what is wrong. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. We do that as a nation every single day. And when I started, people still seem to have a sense of, I've sinned. And so they knew that, hey, I've, won, I've walked away from God. I'm at the pigsty. What do I do now? But I don't think they feel that anymore. And uh, I was listening to a, a message the other day by Vody Bauckham. And he said, why do we have to tell people they're sinners? Because they don't know. They, they know they're not perfect. But there's a big difference between I'm not perfect and I'm a sinner before God. Mm. And people don't seem to know that today. Well, and there are things that used to be considered to be sin that are now accepted right. by our culture. And culture actually has a habit, it seems like, of calling things sin that are not necessarily considered sin from a biblical standpoint. Right. In other words, if you hold to, unfortunately, if you hold to, again, this woe to those who call good evil and evil good, if you hold to a Christian worldview perspective, you're going to get labeled as some sort of right. sinner because you are regarded as being intolerant. So, well, it's, you know, again, we got this whole upside down reversal right. thing going on. Right. You tell people the truth and they call you a hater. That's right. Uh, Paul said, have I become your enemy by telling you the truth? 
Um, you mm. know, you, now you can use truth as a billy club and, and beat people up with it. Obviously, that's we're supposed to speak the truth in love. So, uh, the truth can't be without love, and love can't be without truth. Both of those have to come together. And if you really love someone, you'll tell them the truth in a in a kind way. But if they're getting ready to take their life off a cliff, you'll tell them, "Hey, this is going to lead to destruction, and I love you too much to let you do that." Well, and unfortunately, to point out the error of someone's ways, if you are issuing a word of warning to someone who, like you say, is about to go off a cliff, that is, as you well point out, that is the most loving thing that you can possibly do. But unfortunately, someone has the mindset that I am, you know, I am right. This is the the right way, or this is my, the the right way for me. This is my truth. You know, that's... That makes it very difficult. Right. Well, I use that a lot. My truth. There is no my truth, your truth, his truth, her truth. There's just the truth. Yeah. Jesus said to the Father in the high priestly prayer, your word is truth. Well, you talk about, and you as a Christian communicator, the importance of speaking the truth in love. And, you know, and there is a tendency, I think a fleshly tendency, and Christians can fall into it, where we are so devoted to the truth, as we should be, that we are not speaking the truth in love. In other words, the content may be good, but the tone may be wrong. The compassion may be lacking. You're not, you're speaking truth, and you're doing a good job. You got a handle on the truth, but you're not doing it in love. So how does one really be able to speak the right content, but to do it in the right way? Yeah, great question. I think for me, I I put myself in the shoes of the person that I'm talking to. And and also, I say this a lot, preaching is different than talking to someone Mm one-on-one. So when you're preaching, you know, people are in the congregation, they're hearing you preach, and they're saying, okay, I'm going to do that to my friend. And I tell them, no, you don't do that. I don't talk like that one-on-one to people. Because when I'm preaching, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to everybody. So if the shoe fits, wear it. But it's not, it's not directed to an individual. And so, but when you're talking one-on-one, if Bob and Jeff are talking, I'm talking directly to you. And so I would be, if you look at truth and love, I think from preaching, I speak the truth in love. When I'm talking one-on-one, I speak uh, love as I'm sharing the truth. So love mm, is the lead. Jeff Shreve on this edition of The Intersection. You can learn more by going to fromhisheart.org. I had the opportunity at NRB 2021 in Dallas to talk with cultural commentator Oz Guinness. He is the author of the book, The Magna Carta of Humanity, Sinai's Revolutionary Faith and the Future of Freedom. Here now with some comments relative to devotion to truth, the truth found in the scriptures is Oz Guinness. Let's take that word Marxism. We know it's a, it's not a good thing, but can we really explain it? So help us, not. help us, please. Well, <laughs> it came from a gentleman called Antonio Gramsci, who's yep. a Marxist in jail, died in jail under Mussolini. And he tried to figure out why revolution, as Marx predicted, never worked. And he shifted Marxism from economic determinism to the idea of cultural domination. If you found the gatekeepers, who's in charge of the doorways of society, then you could win the culture. 
That's what they called the Long March. Mm -hmm. In 1968, they realized they wouldn't win in the streets. We think of 2020. There were far more cities ablaze in 1968 than last year. But the radicals knew they wouldn't win in the streets. You had to win the press, the media, the world of academia, the universities and colleges, and Hollywood and entertainment. Win the cultural gatekeepers and then sweep round and win the culture. But we've not just got to understand this. We've got to articulate Christian understanding of freedom, which is so different and much more solid and rich and enduring. And many Christians don't realize that. Oz Guinness joining us today here on the Meeting House on Faith Radio. It is Faith Radio Meeting House Media Central at the 2021 National Religious Broadcasters Convention in Dallas. So basically, through the mind of Karl Marx and others that influenced him, you are are looking at a, uh, I guess, a way of seeing the world that divides people into various groups centered on this oppressive class and labeling certain people in certain ways and creating conflict because out of that conflict, out of that chaos, you can have a system that is developed to to basically restore order out of all the chaos. Well, is, the, that, is that on the right? To affect the revolution. Yeah. Well, take, say, the killing of George Floyd. Many people agree that there are injustices. Sure. The difference comes in how you address it. For the radical left and cultural Marxism, God is dead. Truth is dead. That's very important. So there is only power. So you analyze society. Who's the oppressor? Who's the victim? Then you weaponize the victim, not the individual that you care about, rather the group in order to move against society. So you have a conflict of power without end, what the Romans called the peace of despotism, when you have a power that can put down all other powers. Now you compare that with the gospel. You address truth to power. You have repentance, forgiveness, reconciliation, restoration. Now those are single words, but if you unpack them, they really do change people and society. So that the danger today is that many young Christians and some pastors have drunk the Kool-Aid. Yeah. They've heard the word justice and they jump up and salute. And they don't realize they're following a radical left idea of justice, which will end in a different direction. So the left-wing revolutions, let me put it bluntly, they have never succeeded and they always end in oppression. And Americans who don't have their eyes open are being incredibly foolish. More importantly to me, they're being faithless because we're followers of Jesus. And the Old and New Testaments, the Hebrew Scriptures and the Christian Scriptures, have views of freedom and justice which are infinitely better. And that's what we should be champions of. Oz Guinness here on The Intersection. You can learn more by going to Oz, O-S, Guinness, G-U-I-N-N-E-S-S dot com. Well, this is The Intersection podcast, a weekly production of The Meeting House. You can learn more through meetinghouseonline.info or by visiting the programming section at faithradio.org. Through that homepage, you'll find a link to the Media Center. That's where you can go to listen to or download full conversations with recent guests featured on the Intersection podcast. 
You can also find links to the intersection, to the media center, as well as to iTunes. Two blogs are accessible. One is The Three with three stories of relevance to the Christian community, and the other is The Front Room with devotional thoughts and commentary from The Meeting House. And you can follow me on Twitter and access The Meeting House Facebook page. There's also a link to video content, including recently added content from the 2021 National Religious Broadcasters Convention in Dallas. Again, that website address is meetinghouseonline.info. You can also reach it through the programming section at faithradio.org. Content from the Meeting House can also be found through the Faith Radio app and a variety of podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, and more. Well, continuing now with this edition of the Intersection Podcast, it's Joel Rosenberg. He is the editor-in-chief of All Israel News and All Arab News. He's also the author of a new nonfiction book about events relative to the Middle East. The name of the book is Enemies and Allies, An Unforgettable Journey Inside the Fast-Moving and Immensely Turbulent Modern Middle East. From NRB 2021 in Dallas, this is Joel Rosenberg now. What makes this book interesting and distinctive is that I take you into the Oval Office as I sit down with President Trump and talk about Iran, Israel, North Korea, Russia. Uh, I, I'm, I, I have exclusive interviews and conversations with Trump, with Pence, with Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, who I interviewed this morning yes. here at the National Religious Broadcasters Convention, and because uh, he's a big part of this book. But it's not just American leaders. Uh, I take you in to meet with Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, uh, Israeli President Ruvi Rivlin, Defense Minister of Israel Benny Gantz. But not just, we don't stop there. I take you into the palaces as God opened doors for me. It's crazy, but God had me have meetings five times with King Abdullah of Jordan, five meetings with President al-Sisi of Egypt, two meetings, hours and hours long, with the most consequential and controversial leader in the Arab world, uh, Saudi Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman, and UAE leaders and Bahraini leaders. So for an evangelical named Rosenberg, who's a failed political consultant to begin with, everyone I ever worked for lost, to get invited to go meet with these leaders. And I take you inside the palaces, inside the Oval Office. So you hear these leaders, who are our enemies? Who, Mr. President, who do you think? Mr. Crown Prince, who do you think? Uh, Mr. Uh, you know, uh, what do you think? Who, do, who are your allies? Who are your enemies? And why has that been changing? Okay. Uh, most Arab leaders were hostile towards Israel for the last 70, 100 years. 73 years since Israel was formally created. But now we have six Arab-Israeli peace treaties, four of them brokered by President Trump, whom every enemy of Trump said he was a moron and a baboon and he couldn't solve anything and would probably start new wars. Well, actually, he deserves a Nobel Peace Prize for brokering four Arab-Israeli peace treaties that nobody thought he could do. This is the first book that tells that story. And it tells it in the mm, first person wow. as you get to meet them. And I'll add one thing. We were the first Christian leadership group ever to be invited to meet with the leadership of Saudi Arabia. And we got to ask the crown prince, you have 1.4 million Christians, foreign workers, living and working and their families here in the kingdom. But you don't have a single church that you allow to be open 
here in Saudi Arabia. Could we talk about that? Could we change that? Would you reform that? And the answers and the discussion are in the book. Got a question. With respect to the Abraham Accords, you are talking about Iran and the threat that is there and the imminent danger with respect to a nuclear weapon that could be deployed into Israel from Iran. You've got the Abraham We're Accords. we second Holocaust if that happens. Yeah, and so you've got now the Abraham Accords. Now, right. notable, you mentioned the Crown Prince, Saudi Arabia and Israel have no formal, they're not part of the Abraham no, Accords not as yet. such. Not, not, there you go, not a, not a formal agreement. So do you foresee that perhaps the Abraham Accords could be a strategic, a preventative sort of arrangement that could somehow deter and protect not only Israel, but also Saudi Arabia and other issues. Is there a military strategic aspect or is it mainly other issues? No, this is a very insightful question, Bob, and, and, and I'm going to give you the short version, but, but it's, it's, that, that question is probably at the core of enemies and allies. And, and, and it's the core of the day-to-day coverage we're doing at All Israel News because that is the central question. If, if, if an enemy like Iran is becoming so dangerous, like apocalyptically dangerous, then the question becomes, are people who used to be enemies of each other now going to form alliances and become close in order to counter Iran? And my simple answer is this. The Iran threat is forcing the Arab world the Arab leadership, to fundamentally rethink who, who, who are my enemies and who are my allies. Joel Rosenberg here on The Intersection. You can find him online at joelrosenberg.com. Well, finally, on this edition of The Intersection podcast, it's Richard Blackaby, president of Blackaby Ministries International, which was founded by his father, Henry Blackaby. The two of them have co-written a book called The Solomon Promise, The Key to Healing America and Ourselves. From the National Religious Broadcasters Convention in Dallas, this is Richard Blackaby now. I think Christians have got to look at what nation has he put us in, and how do we make it better? How do we bless it? Uh, any nation that has Christians in it ought to be blessed because they've got people of God in it. And uh, I think that's just a biblical principle. Any, whatever Christian you are, whatever nation you're in, that nation ought to be better because you're in it. And, uh, and Christians just make places better. That's what they do. Yeah, absolutely. So what is it that you wanted to get across in this book, The Solomon Promise? Well, you know, I, uh, last year when it seemed as if everything was coming apart at the seams, uh, the, a publisher came to us that, uh, that had produced this book and just said, you know, so many Christians are discouraged these days. All they can see is all the darkness, all the evil that seems to be pervading the nation. And, and Christians are just wondering, what, what's gone wrong? Is there any hope? I mean, here we have all these churches, all these Christians, and yet things are getting worse, not better. Uh, what do we do about that? And, uh, and they remembered this book uh, that actually came out of originally my dad. They, they asked us as a publisher, what are, what are three of the most powerful sermons your dad ever preached? And, uh, you know, that's just, that was really hard to try to, to figure <laughs> yeah. out. But uh, there were some sermons on revival that my dad preached that, I mean, he wasn't even finished preaching. And the whole altar was just filled with people weeping and on their faces before God. And... Uh, and so we took three of those messages and then, then kind of transformed it into a book. But 
but the, the basis of it, I mean, I, I was there to hear him speak and preach these sermons, and uh, I'll tell you what, it was electrifying. And uh, so it's not a long book, but it is, it is, you know my dad agonized about getting that word from God, and you could tell because before he'd even gotten his sermon finished yet, the place was just completely coming unglued, and uh, people were weeping and flooding to the front because they knew they just heard the truth, and they needed to get right with the Holy God. Well, and when you talk about hearing the truth and having that right relationship with God, I think that there, there are certain, and I grew up, I committed my life to Christ when I was very young, grew up in a Christian home, attended church, and and really renewed my commitment to Christ when I, just before I graduated from high school. So, you know, when you look at the elements of the gospel, you know that there are certain elements such as walking in holiness, being a disciple, following Christ, exhibiting the character of Christ, confession of sin, identifying sin, and realize that I need to have my relationship with God right. We don't hear that much, it seems like, in popular Christian culture these days about some of these elements with respect to holiness, sin, or as you contend in the book, the fear of of God. In fact, the driving principles, principle, it seems, is that in our nation, we've lost the fear of God. Yeah. So how do, we, yeah. how do we recapture that? Well, you know, it's, and it's not that unbelievers have lost the fear of God. It's God's people but, yeah, have lost the fear. They never had it. Unbelievers yeah. never had it. Yeah. yeah. And it's God's people that now treat sin lightly. My dad always said, if you have a high view of God, you're going to take a very serious view of sin. You, yeah. But if you if you begin excusing your sin, you begin laughing, making jokes about it, you talk about, well, I know God wants me to do this and I'm going to get around to it sometime, then that means you've got a low view of God. And, uh, and if God's people don't even have a high view of God, then how are they ever going to convince lost people to have a high view themselves? And so that, it comes like Isaiah, you know, Isaiah chapter 6. He, he was a, a, a church attender, he was a, a God believer, but in Isaiah 6, he had a fresh vision of God as he really was, and that absolutely transformed him. And all he could say was, woe is me. And I'll tell you, there's a lot of American Christians, myself included, who needs a woe is me moment encounter with God to see him as he is. And, and I would just say to your listeners, uh, no matter what happened in the elections last year, uh, God is still on his throne. He, did, he didn't lose his seat. He's still ruling. He's still in charge. And if we get a, a clear view of him, he'll give us marching orders. And he knows how to extend his kingdom uh, in our day and, and in this land. Richard Blackaby here on The Intersection. You can find out more by going to blackaby.org. Well, we're nearing the end of this week's edition of The Intersection Podcast, a weekly production of The Meeting House. You can learn more through meetinghouseonline.info or by visiting the programming section at faithradio.org. You'll find a link to the Media Center where you can listen to or download full conversations with recent guests featured here on The Intersection. You can also find links to The Intersection podcast. Two blogs are accessible. One is The Three with three stories of relevance to the Christian community, and the other is The Front Room with devotional thoughts and commentary from The Meeting House. You can also follow me on Twitter and access the Meeting House Facebook page, plus there's a link to video content. Again, you can go to meetinghouseonline.info or visit the programming section at faithradio.org. Thanks for joining me for this edition of the Intersection Podcast. 
I'm Bob Crittenden.